Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Welshman, and I don't think we've had one of those before, Simon Chalk's love for music began when he started playing the violin at 11. That's impressive in itself. As he grew up, it was the nurturing of this musical talent that would see him go on to become an orchestral conductor of some repute. He's worked with the BBC's Concert Orchestra and Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, as well as the Atlanta, Shanghai, Tokyo, Irish and St. Petersburg orchestras, to name but a few. His talent crosses over into conducting popular music too, and this has seen him work with a diverse range of musicians, including Il Devo, Chris de Berg, one of my all-time favourites, and Russell Watson. He's also collaborated with Westlife's Nicky Byrne on a stage production of The Snowman. Quite a talented individual, as we're about to find out. It gives me great pleasure, particularly great pleasure, for reasons you are about to discover, because Simon and I met a couple of years ago, quite by chance, but I'm going to leave him to tell you a little bit more of the story. So it gives me enormous pleasure today to welcome our guest, Simon Chalk. Simon, welcome. Morning, Sandra. That's a that's a, a hugely uh, flattering introduction. I've got to say, um, it's one of those things that when you're a, a musician and, and then somebody lays out what some of the things that you've done. You forget, when you're doing it, you forget. You know, well, you're, well you're, deserved. You're, I have to no, say. You, you do. You just it, it's like well, the next gig is whatever the next gig is. That's what's in my diary. I, I don't really think. But when you when you stack it up like that, it, it does sound quite impressive. So, um, thank you very much for that. That's very kind. So right. I'm sure we'll do it justice too. So I, I'd like to start, if I may, because we only have 30 short minutes and we've got to pack lots in, um, because I know you are uh, a amazingly talented. But b there's a there's a there's there's something about you, Simon, which I discovered quite by chance. I think it was in the Oxford service station on the M1 or M. I can't remember where, it was, but anyway, it was the Oxford service station. And uh, I, I just want to frame this for everyone. Well, in fact, let me let me ask you to do that because there we are. We didn't know each other. No. Nope. You are being served in a Starbucks. Yep. Commercial plug for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're ordering coffee. So what happened next? Well, I, I've got to back the story up a little bit further from the day that we met. When I was out on tour, the first time I toured with Oldivo, I found myself in a cafe in Seattle. And um, a very flustered chap came in behind me in the queue, rifling through his rucksack. And I was folding my glasses into its case. Uh, sunglasses, not 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 reading glasses or anything. And he said, "I wish I was as careful with my things as you are with yours." And I said, "Well, that's that's very kind." I said, uh, "But I, I it led on to a conversation." I said, "Well, why are you rushing?" I said, "I said you seem quite flustered." He was holding down two jobs and then was trying to retrain as a paramedic nurse in the evenings, family man and everything. So I said to him, uh, I, "Well, I didn't say to him. I said to the lady behind the counter. I said, would you please pour the largest.'" American you can for this this gentleman and put it on my tab. And um, it became my ran, first random act of kindness. And, and, and I, it led on, because we, we had a, a, very much a conversation about life and the universe and, and that kind of thing. Um, and 
I felt so good for the next couple of days because I, you know, I'd helped somebody along the way. Um, and all it was was a cup of coffee. So I kept going with it. But I added in a little bit. The bit I added in was I would approach the next person in the queue uh, to myself, whether it be man, woman, small child, little old lady. It doesn't really matter. It's not important. It's just uh, today's the day that that person's going to get their coffee bought for them. But what I've added in is that you have to pass that kindness on to somebody else. You don't have to buy them coffee. You don't have to part with any money. You just have to do something good for somebody else before the day is out. So before midnight on that day, it has to be done. Um, and, it, it, you know, it sounds a little bit like it's it's just fallen out of a storybook, but it's not meant to do that. So on the day that we met, you were the person who was next in the queue. So I offered to buy you your coffee um and I, I quite understandably uh, as most people do you look a person up and down and go what <laughs> excuse me what yes and that's then, exactly uh, what yeah, i did exactly and, th- and people do it um, and then you explain when you explain to them that, it, that, that there's, there's no no catch other than the one I've, I've, I've just explained um and i'm convinced that other that people will go ahead and do it and i know you've done it yourself so and it works it, it just makes people's day go just that little bit better I think so. Um, I, I forgive me. I wouldn't be able to remember the drink that you ordered, but um, it was a black Americano. Probably a black Americano. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. And uh, and then yeah, we, we both go on your on your merry way. And and you know, if if, if if the gods are with you, then you'll have a conversation and you'll find out a little bit about each other. But there's no contract other than this this thing. And if people want to talk, they will. And and you know, I've I've met some some pretty amazing people. I think you were probably the the most so far. The most high-profile person that, that I met in in that sense. In, 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 you in haven't what, met many. No, many in, in, but in what you then. do. I mean, you're here now interviewing all these wonderful people and 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 getting them to 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 give you their the benefits of their wisdom and about how they do, why they do, and what they do, and how they did it. And I think that's that's a, a real credit to you because you can pull those kind of people in. So um, there you go. Well, you are the first orchestra conductor and possibly the last who knows but that was the thing Simon that really Mm. for me framed who you are as a person and uh, you're right I have passed that random act of kindness on many many times since then only yesterday in fact I was uh, flying back from a weekend skiing with my son Mm -hmm. and there we were in Geneva airport and there was a woman who was actually ahead of me in the queue and she pulled together all these things that she wanted to eat and drink for her family found out she didn't quite have enough money and was in the process of putting something back, Mm. which would, of course, deprive one member of her family. And it just so happened I had a five franc, Swiss franc piece in my pocket and it was 3.50 she was short. So I just handed it down the line and she kind of looked me up and down rather puzzled because Mm -hmm. those sorts of things don't happen. And I have to say, my son, again, was a bit quizzical about the whole thing. But you're absolutely right. That kind of... That um, that glow you get for a period of time yeah. just by doing something that in that, that betters somebody's day. So that was the principal reason I really wanted you as a guest because yeah. I think that you know what you stand for as a human being uh, needs to be shared with people. Mm. Well, I'd hope so. And the thing is, it, 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 it's always been like that. I think it's like that for a lot of musicians. I think we because we rely so heavily on each other when we're on a platform in front of an audience. Uh, unlike many professions. You know, there there are many professions in the world where where people spend equally as many hours learning what they do as as, as we as musicians have, have spent learning what we do. But there are only a handful of professions where you do your work in public, 
if you're a sports person, you're doing your work in public. And, and in some ways, that's that's even, that's more of a bear pit than being a musician mm. because you'll get people are not averse to, to throwing criticism. Um, you could ask Mr. Sterling, a quite a high profile footballer at the moment, uh, about what it's like to, 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 to be given. Uh, you know, uh, abuse on your performance from from a stand. We, we we don't get that in music, but what we do have is, as I said, we 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 perform in front of a paying public. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I've said many 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 times that that my working day finishes with a round of applause, hmm. and that is worth its weight in gold in 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 so many ways. Um, you know, if you're a secretary in, in 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 a building and you're meeting people as they come come in the door, nobody claps you out at the end and say, you know, well done, you did a fantastic job there. And and so we get that 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 feedback. But what we also get, I think, from being musicians is that collegiate approach of relying on on, on our colleagues on a stage. We've done our rehearsal. We've we've covered as many of the bases as we can. We're still playing live, so anything can happen. But the other thing we 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 rely heavily on is that communication without any words. So when you can, sometimes this 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 coffee thing is is more of a feeling than it is. I chose today to be the day that I would that I would you know that I would pass on that 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 moving kindness if that's that's what we want to mm. call it uh, it could be just that you get a vibe in that day and, and and i think as i said musicians actors um performers dancers we, we we're all pretty much in in tune with with how we think people feel mm. uh, we, we don't always get it right but when we do get it right that, then then it can be really magical certainly for, for us as players and, and hopefully for you as an audience. But certainly something everyone can take something away from. You know, you don't have to be in the arts, for example, no. to, to have that instinctive feeling about a certain situation. Not at all. Not at all. It's not exclusive to, to, to us. We just, it's just that it becomes part of our our, our trade, if you like. Mm. And uh, there are many, the best way to describe it is um, there are many, many, many musicians out there who can really, really play and are phenomenal at doing that. But unless they can connect with another musician and another person uh, on a personal level uh, in you know I, i've often described the life of a freelance musician as follows when i was a violinist more so than i am a conductor now still the same to a certain degree but as a violinist you'd rock up for a show um i, I hate to burst any bubbles but in, in this country we rehearse generally on the day of a concert and when you come at, at 7 30 assuming we've been rehearsing for weeks <laughs> No, sadly not. We've only been there since 2.30 in the afternoon. So you rock up at 2.30 with your violin on your back into a room full of people that you hardly know at all. And probably you may know some of them. Certainly in your early career, you won't. You're given a pile of music, which is put on a stand in front of you, which you share with somebody else. So you either turn pages for them or they turn for you. So by the time you get to 5.30, they are your new best friend. And off you go for tea. So you go and eat dinner somewhere and you basically spill the beans on, on both of your life stories, all of your ups and downs, your your current relationship statuses, your how many dogs and cats you have, et cetera, et cetera, shoe size, all the stuff. And then at 7.30, you take a stage and you put your entire faith as, as a musician in the person sat next to you and everybody else sat around you and in the conductor and in the soloist and everything. At 9.30, you shake hands with that person um, uh, uh, or, or, you know, kiss them either side of the cheek uh, if, if it's a young lady, that's just a nice thing to do. Um, you... Uh, wish them very well and then you probably never see them ever again because your freelance life will take you to another band the following day and the following week and then you'll you know that's how it is so you have to be able to to kind of fit into that socially be be very very open Mm. to to just getting on with people right from from the beginning 
So I want to take you back, if I may, mm. to your early day, young boy, yep. grow, uh, growing up in a mining village in Wales. Where did the love of the violin, because that's your first musical instrument, where did that where did that come from? I mean, because mining villages and violins kind of don't go together necessarily, or or do they? I don't know. But where did that where did that come from? Well, Simon? it's an interesting thing because um, my my mother, bless her, she, she only we only she only left just over a year ago. She said when I was a child, there were two things that I would be. Yeah, I could be glued to as a as a small child in a pram. She could sit me in front of a, one of those rather old square televisions. A really fusion, I seem to, seem to remember the one we had. Um, that gives my age away, doesn't it? Some people uh, will yeah, not know yeah, what you're talking uh, about. Yes, yes. Uh, it was black and white as well, obviously. And um, there were two things I, I would watch. I would watch horse racing till the cows came home, and I would watch orchestras on TV. So uh, we're going back to a time when orchestras were actually on TV as well, unlike now, other than the proms, which is uh, you know a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, I just wish we had a little bit more of it on our on our. TV boxes, sets, whatever. But um, I can't be, I can't abide horse racing. <laughs> it would be like one, of, not my worst nightmare, but it would be one of the, my dullest experiences, I think. To, a violinist or a jockey. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right, yeah, just to, just to be, I, I've been on a horse three times in my life. And I, and I, sorry, horse lovers, that was three times too many. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I don't dislike them in, in that sense. They are beautiful creatures, but I don't really want to be on one. And I just want to look at them. Thank you. But I don't want to see them running around. Um, certainly not with jockeys on. And so, yeah, so now. Now uh, that then, so that then developed. I say now that then developed into into this 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 thing about music. And so when I was about eight, maybe seven, no, it must have been eight, uh, junior school, um, and uh, that was the time when violins were being dished out because I had my lessons via the county music service. They were free at school, point free at the point of delivery, ladies and gentlemen, and. Um, uh, the week that they gave these instruments out, I had tonsillitis and I didn't get one. And I was mortified because my brother did and he was younger than me and it lasted about six weeks with him. And I had a sneaky go and I was I was obsessed. And so when I got to senior school, because the, the, the moment was gone, the, the, you know, it was only ever in, in, in this particular group, your group that you, you were asked. And um, so I got through to senior school age 11 and on the very first day there was an announcement made, uh, year seven, you, you go and you... You uh, have this meeting for all New Year Sevens, old Form One as we would have known it from from senior school. And but at the same time, there was a meeting in the music room for those who wanted instrumental lessons. If you want to play an instrument, you had to go there. So I absconded off from this Year Seven meeting and got in much trouble for it. But I got to the music room and I got a violin, and that was the thing. And then from then, I I was about five, six weeks into playing this thing and having lessons when I realised that this is what I was going to do. I don't know what I was going to do with it. This is really what I was going to do, um, and it, it just—I became obsessed by the whole thing. So you just—you got to yeah. one where you just knew. And, I just and, kind of, yeah, I just knew. I, I can't—I can't even describe why, but there was something inordinately special about it. And as my time went on at school, because again, the school provided an instrument. There were multiple violins at school, but uh, so I went through all of the other violins at school, basically stealing all the best bits. So the best strings off one, the best bridge off another, until eventually I got the best Chinese violin you've ever ever heard in your life. Because most people then would say, oh, God, what are you playing on time? Um, well, it was a Chinese violin. They could never believe it. They used to take it off me and look in, inside because there are labels inside of violins. If, if the next time you've got one in your hands, you have a look. Um, 
and so that that was it. So my first violin, I didn't get my first violin until I was nearly seventeen. I was, in fact, I was already seventeen before I got one that was my own because my parents just couldn't afford it. Mm. And then I saw an advert in a paper. Um, this violin was advertised at sixteen pounds. So I cycled on my bike. Old money. Yeah, it's old money. Cycled seven miles on my bike to this little old old couple. I didn't realize they were going to be all one banging on the door. And um, I said, look, I've got to get some music for my grade seven or whatever it was. And that was going to be four pounds. I said, can I give you 12 in cash? So my first kind of real deal as well. So I, I, I became a violin dealer at, at age 17 by offering these people. And they took it. They took the 12 pounds. God bless them that they did. But you, and then that fiddle got me to college. But you but you did this because you kind of loved it. You had a yeah, passion yeah, for it. Absolutely, at the yeah. But obviously I had no idea at that stage nope. that the, the, your love of music and your mm. talent for it would take you to all these amazing places around the world. No, I had no idea at the time. All I wanted to do was, was I knew that it was possible to make money as a musician because musicians did. I didn't know quite how much money was was going to be made or and I still it still doesn't bother me. It, it, it's not important. The amount of money is if anybody agents are listening or, or promoters or can I just, uh, please, Poor negotiation yeah, please, skills. I've got the world's problem. Yeah, I once said to an agent, uh, uh, no, a promoter that I was working with. Um, in fact, he was a Levo's uh, manager at the time. Um, I told him that there were two people I'd work for for free, and that was Tom Jones and Shirley Bassey. And um, he said, I'll hold you to that because he, he, they were representing Tom Jones at the time. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and he said, oh, we know we, 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 there's something maybe coming up with, with, with Bassey as well. But, you know, it's only because, you, you know, those, those are two kind of iconic Welsh musicians that you, you'd kind of want to want to be around. But, um, but yeah, so uh, it's it, the, 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 the financial aspect, is, 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 uh, uh, much to my wife's chagrin, has never really bothered me. It's, it's more about you know, giving those concerts and, and, and doing what's important. And and I know that when, sometimes when people hear that said by a person, that it's, they go, oh, yeah, well, you're only just saying that. But, but I'm, it's not, it's a genuine, genuinely held view mm-hmm. that, that music is, it, it should, it transcends, it's transcended everything in, in, in my life, short of, of, of finding a wife who I adore and, and having two great kids. Outside of that, music is, ever, is absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Um, and And yet... If I if I had to stop tomorrow, I I couldn't complain, you know. Simon, another thing I think people will will say is, mm. well, you know, you're just born talented. I mean, mm. how can we ever aspire to to do what you've done and achieve what you've achieved? Would you say it's just natural talent, uh, or is what you've achieved a combination of some you know some talent? Because mm. we hear different things from different people. Is it about application? You know, because surely having stolen all the best bits of all those violins, there was yeah. a degree of practice involved. I don't want to put words into your mouth, yeah, but yeah. to what extent is it talent and to what extent is it hard labour? Well, you've got, the hard labour has to be done. I think thousands and thousands, somebody wrote that was 10,000 hours, 10, hours of, of, of doing something will give you a, 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 a pretty good sense of being able to do it. Um you know, I'm hoping that after 10,000 hours of hitting a golf ball, I might get the chance of actually getting in a straight line. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but no, when it comes to music, it was it, yes, there's a, there's a graft element to it. But the, the one thing I would, would say is this. My parents were instrumental, no pun intended, instrumental in my musical upbringing in as much that they never forced me to do anything. I was never told to practice. I was never put in a room and said, right, you can't come out until you've finished your... your scales or whatever it was they left it entirely to me so my teacher and I was where 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 it came together the first 5 years of my violin playing career i had 
a, a lady who was totally lovely, but but was was just not a very good teacher of the violin. She she'd ended up te- teaching her instrument when when she shouldn't have really because she didn't have the skills. The skill set wasn't there, and I don't necessarily mean the skill set as a violinist or a skill set with older students maybe, but a skill set with 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 a young person who needs real guidance and 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 you know you need solid technique is what you really need. Mm. But I think. What I would say, yeah, there's, there's probably talent is probably there in, in some way, shape or form. But uh, an old county music advisor that, that was, in, again, played a big part in, in my musical life as a kid, um, you know, um, helped me to, to go on, on various music courses, got me through to my, my final year at, 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 at college on, 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 on the then grant system um, when it was discretionary rather than mandatory because it, I was doing a postgrad. And... Uh, he once said, look, there's an instrument for everybody. There's an instrument in everybody. You've just got to find it. And I was just lucky enough that I found it. Mm. But I would say that there would have been other instruments I could have chosen that, that could have taken me there. Also, I, I'm convinced of that because I did play other things just a little later in my life, having picked up the violin first and foremost. I played the piano first from about the age of three with my grandmother. But we could, mum and dad couldn't afford the lessons and I, and I wasn't that taken with it other than the fact that it's an exciting instrument. But with the violin, it was it was that it, it, it was never a chore. That was the thing. It was it, it it never was a chore for me. And I think when people have got that in their lives, so if you're a sports person or or you're a dancer or or you're uh, you know you're interested in in being an entrepreneur as a young person, if you whatever you're doing, uh, I I keep going into it, off on little tangents. I don't mean to, but um, there's a chap I work with and I worked with a lot, and he says if you find a job you love, you'll never do another day's work in your life. Mm. And that's true. And and he's he's done many many great things and put many great people on the stage because um, he promotes all kinds of concerts and shows and, and all that stuff. Um, and it, it has been a great source of of inspiration latterly uh, in, in my time. But yeah, I think that's really what it's about. It's about just that determination to to to. To do what you love, I suppose. Find what you love. Work really hard. Yeah, at absolutely. It. Yeah. At what point, Simon, did you decide I want to be the leader of the band? Because oh. another another question I have for you is: <laughs> you wave this little stick called a baton around. Yeah, I do. That means absolutely nothing to any of us. We just think mm. this is guy that's kind of plugged into n- the nearest electrical socket. But it clearly means quite a lot to the fifty or sixty people, however many yeah. you've got sat in front of you. At what point did you kind of transition from violin to to con- conducting? Conducting. Well, when I was a young chap. The other instrument that made a, a, a huge, um, that took a huge amount of time in my life was the trombone. I played in brass bands, both my brother and I. My brother, my middle brother, um, is a, a tuba player. And um, he started, he saw me doing my music at school and was really enjoying it. Um, could see me really enjoying it. Thought, well, I want to get involved in this. Having had the violin, as I said before me, and then then dumped it. He's, he's 14 months younger than me. He decided the brass was for him, so he wanted to play the cornet because he could put it in his school bag and hide it away and take it in, and nobody would know that he was doing anything. And uh, they realised that his his lip structure was just a little bit too large for that, so he he, he graduated to to a, a tenor horn, which is a bit bigger. Still not lips still too big. Then the baritone, the euphonium, and eventually he ends up playing the tuba. So he's got to wield this thing into school, <laughs> having you know wanting to, to 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 kind of shy away from everything. He's he's ended up with the biggest instrument in the band. So we we pretty much joined a brass band together, which was our our local village band to start with, and then we progressed to to to, to a better one. And then eventually my brother went kind of all the way to the, to the top of brass banding. He was playing at the very very top echelons of, and 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 could have been a, one of one of I think our country's 
best tuba players, as a, even as a soloist. But um, yeah, it, he just it, music did, just just drifted away from 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 his life. So um, I think it, it, is, it isn't there anymore. Sadly, he really still appreciates music, but doesn't play anymore. Mm. Sadly, is, is is a case for many. But so the the trombone existed, and I I think I conducted a brass band. That was probably the first thing I did, and I really quite enjoyed it. Um, so when I got away to Birmingham, to the, uh, I studied at the, what was then the Birmingham School of Music, now the Birmingham Conservatoire. By the time I got to the third year of my undergraduate studies, uh, you have to take some options. So the options were laid out. You could do th- theoretical things or you could do practical things. And one of the, th- the options that was laid out for me was conducting. So I took it. So at the end of my first year of study, or the only year of study that I should have had for my undergrad, um, I did an examination. Uh, I chose to play quite a tricky piece by Stravinsky um, because I thought I might not get the chance again right let's do it let's get the full band out so I had as many people as I could lay on the stage and I played the very tail end of a, of a, of a piece by Stravinsky a, a ballet suite um, uh, called The Firebird a very famous piece and, and, and you know people if I was to play it people would know it um, sadly don't have an orchestra available but there we are um, and uh, so we did this I did this piece and it went very well and I got a distinction by conducting so much so that they said would you like another year's worth of study so having studied with with, with my teacher Jonathan um, they offered me a, a new guy was coming in so they said would you, would you take another year so I said absolutely so I took another year of study but at that point my string quartet took off so I spent the first 12 years of my career playing in a string quartet you know the, the very serious kind of Mozart, Beethoven, Haydn three quartets an, an evening with the standard lamp and tails and all that stuff and then, um, but I always I was conducted on uh, little bits on the side, little bits of coaching. With, with, if we were coaching with kids, I'd, I'd work with, with groups. And then in two thousand nine ten, a friend called me up and he said, "Look, I've been offered a, a slightly larger gig than the ones in my diary, which I'd like to take. Could you cover for me?" Um, and so I was asked to conduct half a concert and play the four seasons in the other half and direct from the violin. And I'd done some directing before, which is like conducting and playing at the same time. Um, not easy. That really isn't easy. Um, and then are you, about a year and a bit later, I'm suddenly uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to, to a sad family event in a way. Well, not in a way. It was a sad family event. I was on my way to a funeral up north. And uh, I got a call from uh, Il Divo's musical director. And he said, look, the boys want to shoot a live DVD. Do you do the straight conducting? Was his question, and uh, and and because yeah, he's from, he's a pop musician, and what he meant was somebody who stood and 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 waved their arms about. Probably, I said, absolutely. What have we got in mind? He said, well, they want to shoot this live DVD in in London at the Coliseum, uh, probably with either Ian O's band or with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. So it turned out it was the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and my first down professional, real professional downbeat was with them at Music Bank South London. For rehearsal for, for for a live DVD in Wellington, <laughs> just went for it. And the thing is, it felt as comfortable as, as anything I've ever done. Um, uh, if I can give you a kind of football analogy, almost, you know, as a violinist, I like most violinists in the country, you'd be a Premier League player because you're 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 going around the orchestras and you're playing in various parts of the country. But I wouldn't have been an international, not at all. You know, I'd have been a, a, a jobbing footballer in that sense. But give me a stick, and and suddenly I feel wholly different I've, I've conducted a number of times at the Albert Hall and, and I've had a ball every time I've I, I'm stood stage side and I can't wait to get out um, 
but what I can say is I, I, I can, if you'd like me to, I can unpick a little what it is that conductors do, if that's, if that's something you'd like to know I, about. If you, can, if you can give it to us in a very short period of time, because I've got yeah. a couple more questions well, to ask yeah, you. It's just because it, it's, just it's it, it, thinking of the questions that I'm asked the most when I'm sat on a plane or a train or whatever, and, and, and you strike a conversation with somebody, and, and nearly always when, it, when, you, when you're traveling, people want to know what you, why you travel, what are you doing, because they, they realize you're not on holiday because usually you're by yourself. And you don't have a rucksack and, 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 and big kind of walking boots. Um, and so when they find out you're a conductor, the explanation. And at this point, we would we, we, be really great if, they, if there was some, some, some video evidence of this. But if you think most conductors are right-handed and they hold a stick in the right hand, so therefore their left hand doesn't have a stick. Some conductors are left-handed and the stick would be in the other hand. But generally speaking, right-handed is, is where it's at. So the hand with a stick in keeps time. And it keeps time in in, in, a, in a particular shape. So um, those of you who are listening now will will not see, but I, I, my my hands go. Uh, they start up, up just above my face. It, the first beat would be down, then I would go left, then right, and then back to the top and down again. And that would be four. So it'd be one, go left two, go right three, back up four. Like an inverted one, T. Like an inverted T, yeah. or a little bit like if, if you're if, if you're a good Catholic, the signs of the cross. Um, you know, it's exactly that mm-hmm. in front of you. And that would be four. So you three and four and one and two and three and four. So my, uh, Sandra's nodding now because you can see my hands going back and forth and keeping time. So the right hand keeps time, whether it's two or three or six or eight. And there are shapes. There are patterns that, would, that nearly all conductors do similar shapes and patterns. So the left hand is, 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 is as I like to call it, my magic hand. That's the hand that can go That quiet. holds the gin and tonic. Yes. Whilst, yeah, that holds a martini while I'm actually looking like James Bond. I wish. Um, the James Bond bit, not the martini, mm. but I just wish. Um, so uh, you have, um, you, you, I can make the note shorter, longer, softer, quieter, louder. A- anything I want to do with, with this hand, this is, gives you the shape of the music. And then encourages people. So also, the other thing that I have at my disposal is my face. And I will look at musicians and, and get them to do what I need them to do. Because I can't speak to anybody. Once I've walked out on a stage, the applause is done. I've taken a bow and turned my back on the audience. That's it. Now it's just me, stick, hands, eyes, body. That's it, you know. Um, and what I would suggest people do is if you've got a moment uh, of idleness... Look up the following on YouTube. Bernstein conducts with his face is all you need to put in. And, and just hit the button on the first video that comes up and you'll find Bernstein conducting the Vienna Philharmonic from the Music Verein in Vienna. I will, I will do that. With his, with his face. And it's, it, he starts off with his hands, puts his hands down and then just conducts the entire band with his face. And it's quite something. And he must be a quite competitive profession because yeah. there, there are not many conductors around very much prof- competitive yes um, we try not to be it's a little bit like uh, that old series of films uh, Highlander there can be only one so when you walk into a room and, and other conductors are in it, it, it already you're, you're looking for your sword and your shield just because it, 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 but I, I, again going back to what, where we started the collegiate aspect of me is that I will I always want to 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 big up what other people are doing because it's important. If you're not going to come to my concert, then go at least go to somebody else's. Mm. What's important is going and, and hearing live music. That's what's what it's all about. And can I just take this opportunity to dispel mm. another myth as well? Because a lot sure. of people say orchestras. If you don't mind me saying mm. so, uh, they're for old you know old fuddy duddies. Mm. Uh, the, the 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 prom nights on TV, which I remember, um, 
as fascinated as it was, they've become less popular. Yeah. But then interestingly, you know, one of my favorite composers is a guy called Danny Elfman, mm. uh, synonymous with every great blockbuster Marvel film, for example, and more. Mm. Um, so is it, is it the case, in your opinion, that, you know, orchestra and music forms, well, it clearly forms a very big part of most people's lives, but they don't necessarily appreciate the orchestra as much as they would appreciate popular music, for mm. example? Well, I, I don't know whether it's, it's about appreciation, but it's more about, if you think about how music punctuates your life. So every single major occasion in your life will have music attached to it. Birth of children, marriage, funerals, um, first kiss, first dance, last dance. All of those things, will, will do, you'll have a tune for all of those things. You'll have a, a, a playlist for in, in the car when you're going on holiday. You'll, you'll put something together. You'll have a new, we, we in our family will buy our, what we call our summer album. It's not so easy to do these days mm. because, you, you know, I mean, cars don't have, 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 we, we, there was a time when we would just buy a CD, whatever it was, and, and, and stick it in, and that would be our summer CD, getting us to France and back or wherever we were going on holiday. Um, not so much the case anymore because you can now have an eclectic playlist. But it's interesting that, that the kind of music that people choose based on, on the mood that they want to create and, 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 what mood needs to be created, and and you you, you make an interesting um, correlation there between Danny Elfman and film. Danny's a, one of the supremos when it comes to just giving you exactly what you need based on what you're looking at visually. Um, but his music works just as well with your eyes closed, as does Inaudi, for example, mm. um, or. Um, John Williams, just to, to to name but a few, but we have some amazingly talented young British composers who are, who are writing music right now. That's for the for the concert platform. Some stuff that's challenging. And music it doesn't always have to be comfy, like your slippers. Yeah. Um, here we are, two chaps chit chatting away, and and I don't know a single fella uh, unless uh, unless you can put me straight here. Of a guy who'd go into a shoe shop and pick a pair of shoes uh, because they look nice, but they were damn uncomfortable. We always want something that we can put on that look look particularly decent, but we can walk in them. Mm. Now, ladies don't do that. Ladies will choose a shoe because it looks fabulous. Yeah, and I think if you if you compare it to music, that little analogy of sometimes music will make you want to tear your hair out. Sometimes it'll make you want to scream and say, "Turn that rubbish off." Um, Frank Skinner said something really cool recently. Um, David Baddiel and Frank Skinner, as you know, have been mates and, and comedy pals for such a long time. And David's got this series on Radio 3 um, about not getting classical. He said, I don't get classical music. What is it? What am I supposed to be looking for? What am I supposed to get? And there was in the trailer, there was, Frank Skinner said something which I thought was great. He said, what you should do is you should, and I, I, forgive me if I'm misquoting, Frank, but what you should do is you should look for what you like in the music you like in other genres of music. Mm. So if you like that driving um, drum and bass effect of, of, of heavy metal, look for that in music. I can show you where that is in classical music, and, and you should be able to do vice versa. So classical musicians should be able to show you in, in, in pop where that happens. And we say it's because we, we want them in small sound bites, and we, we can only think, you know, pop songs have to be in three-minute bites because that's all people can concentrate on. I, I beg to differ. Um, I don't know a single person that wouldn't want Back in Black by ACDC to go on for at least another half an hour. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, when I was when, when my kids were younger, we'd take them to school. Um, and we used to jump in the car. I said, right, what music do you want on kids? Track six, daddy, track six. 
What's track six? Well, if you put Black in Black on as an album, track six is Black in Black. So uh, that's what they wanted. So, but it's, it, you know, so we can all, we'd all want those things to just to go on a little bit longer. So I'd like to ask you about your kiddies, mm. uh, because one of the questions we ask all of our guests, and yep. I don't know if you know this is coming, no. but uh, the final question, because I'm going to I'm gonna mm-hmm. ask you to do something for me in a second. Okay. But before we get there, just one final question. It's the one that is common amongst all our guests. Yeah. And that is uh, thinking about your lovely kiddies, uh, though probably a bit more grown up now than they were then. Um, they come to you asking th- daddy for some advice, and we're just going off into the big wide world. Mm. Based on all the things that you know now, Simon, all that great life experience, all those, uh, all those great successes, and you know some challenges along the way, what one bit of advice would you give your kids uh, as you kind of patted them on the head and said, "Off you go"? It's very simple: drive it like you stole it. Say no more. Love That's it. What I always Love say. it. Love yeah. it. Drive it like you stole it. Because the thing is, you, you get one go at this thing. Um, I've worked with a lot of musicians just the one time, and especially. Uh, Things like amateur choirs, they, they, they get quite flustered about, because obviously you've got a group of people who are coming together, they really want to do their very, very, very best, and half the time their nerves get the better of them and they don't, do, they don't enjoy the experience. So the last thing I will say to a group of musicians, or a group, especially a, a group of, of, of choirs, uh, a choral singers, is this, all right, ladies and gentlemen, just remember, drive it like you started. Like you've, got, you've got one chance... Just just have a go and see what happens. Okay, well, you've got one chance now, Simon. Right. No expense spared on the Sandro Forte podcast. We have wheeled a piano in. I don't think it's in very good tune, um, but mm. it's an upright piano, and we're now going to... So just for any sceptics out there who think that Simon Chalk is a made-up person, um, we're going to see now, or listen to, just how talented this guy is. He's going to play the piano. He's not only great at the violin, he's a conductor. Uh, you can do anything you like, Simon. And um, let's, I will, let's... well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll play you a little something that I wrote. I wrote this quite a long time ago. Um, when when I was a student, I used to, uh, part of that, that as we were talking earlier, part of what we were um, what I did in my undergraduate was I, I had those options. One of the options I took, which didn't last for the, the whole period because I I just didn't have enough time, was composition. So there were certain tasks that we were set to be able to do things. And I've never been one for writing lyrics. As I've got older, I've got more into lyrics. And I never really appreciated lyrics when I was a kid. It was all about the actual the, the tunes and the sounds that I heard. So melody was always important, more so than anything else. And, and it's still to this day like that. If I was to choose melody or lyric, I'd always choose melody. So uh, I used to write songs that didn't have any words. And, and it was based basically on the harmony. So we have, uh, if we have, uh, take a very simple chord. Uh, chords are these three note things. You can have this chord. This is the chord of F minor. <laughs> Sounds pretty dark. I knew that. And then the chord of E flat. So I like the chord of F minor, but I like to, uh, just like a chef would, I suppose, Add a few things to it, and and so that the notes I added when I was composing were these. And before you play for us, yeah. you just tell us how do we find out more about Simon Chalk? Social media, social media, yeah. Um, you can do uh, SimonChalk.co.uk is a website. Um, you can trace me and follow me on Twitter, which is at the Chalkmeister. Um, Love not, it. not one of my own choosing. Um, one of my longest-term friends in terms of, of, of being a friend and being a musician being a colleague, um, uh, he and a- another friend of ours came up with that some while back. They, they became a little nickname for me. So I thought, well, I'll choose that. 
So the Chalkmeister is is the Twitter thing, and that's it's quite active and busy there. Um, you can look me up on Facebook if you like, but if I don't know you, sadly, then you don't get in because it's a kind of family and friends thing. I probably should have a have a Facebook page that's 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 more about me as a musician, but. I, I, there's not enough time to do the other things in, in, in life, live alone, just keeping an eye on the, the whole social media thing. Um, and there's just there, there's one other place that you'll find me, um, which is probably becoming one of the more important places, is is a, a, a new venture that I've just started with my wife called the Corporate Conservatoire. Um, and you'll find us at corporateconservatoire.co.uk. And uh, it's, it's a thing where my, my wife is a university administrator. In fact, she's a registrar of a university, big, big important job. And uh, the business will be uh, showing companies how they can do things differently. So using music as a metaphor for business. So look it up. It's going to be very cool. Fabulous. Anyway, so we have these chords. Take it my- away then, Sam. That was the Sandro Forte podcast and what a really, really amazing guest Simon Chalk was. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast, that's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or just what motivates you. So please keep those emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave a review on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Final word from Simon Chalk. Thank you, Simon. It's been a pleasure having you with us. It's been a pleasure to be here. And thanks for inviting me and taking a risk on that uh, that Oxford services meeting. (laughs) 